This is Nadek, my adventure, written down in a better way than I can tell it. Hi. It has been a while. I hope you are all as well as can be in these weird times and most of all, I hope everyone is safe and healthy. I am doing excellent now. But I'll be completely and 100% too honest with you here. The past few months, from, I guess, February, March onwards, they have been very tricky. The funny thing is, or maybe it's not that funny, It didn't really have anything to do with the whole COVID-19 situation and everything else that is happening. Nonetheless, I may have been in a little bit of a dark space while I dealt with some personal things. Because of that, writing didn't happen. Because of that, Nidak was paused. But we are back. The final chapters have been mostly written. And listen, I always knew the story wasn't great. After all, it's only a second draft of a story I considered practice for my real podcast project, Tear of the Sky. Writing these final chapters was tough. It was difficult Stringing things together and trying to make it make sense and tying up loose knots. I'm sure I've missed some of those knots. I'm sure the story isn't as... Well, I know it definitely isn't as good as I would want it to be. And... I adopted two kittens a few weeks back and they are choosing this time to play in the background. <laughs> Can't even be mad. They're so fucking cute. So yeah, writing those final chapters was really difficult. <laughs> oh my god, he's so cute. He's so cute. It was difficult stringing things together and trying to make it make sense and tying up loose knots. And I'm sure I've missed some. I'm sure there's a few things I've mentioned here and there that maybe some of you are like, but what about that? Um, if that is if that is the case, please do get in, get in touch with me and um. I might, I'll probably, I'll probably have something in my head um, about that thing. Uh, I just, uh, maybe just didn't discuss it anymore. Maybe just didn't touch on it anymore. Um, yeah, please do get in touch. I loved, I love hearing about people about the, the podcast. Um, um, please forgive me for the, The ending, it, I hope it won't disappoint um, too much. 
I love you for listening. I have mentioned it before. I will revise this story in the future to add more points of view. Because having only Nadek's point of view was also one of the reasons I had trouble wrapping it up. And it will be published as a book sometime in the next two or three years, I would say. Probably. And hey, it has passed a hundred K words, which isn't many for a fantasy novel, but it is novel size either way. And for reference, Stephen King's Carrie has about 65,000 words. So yeah, but there you go. The next episode will come out in two weeks' time in the first weekend of August. Uh, I might do a rapid release, releasing all of the last episodes in a matter of days, but I'm still not certain about that. Um, there's only a few more episodes to go, so I might do it, I might not. Let me know what you think. Do you want them all at once, or do you want me to wait a week in between the episodes? That said, that means that it is the perfect time now to re-listen to everything, so you can yeah, pick up the story where I left it, basically, and just... Um, get a reminder of what happened, <laughs> I suppose. But if you can't bother, don't worry, I've got you. Um, well, no, just maybe a little bit. I've got you a little bit, okay? <laughs> at first, at first, I thought to give you a little recap of every chapter, but that would take too much time. Time I needed to finish writing the story. But then I realized I sort of already have a recap of it all. In the form of Nadak's rambling at the start of each episode, the intros, including some vague sound effect. My favorite sound effect is the purring cat, by the way. So, I placed all of the intros in a row. Um, it's over half an hour long. <laughs> So I'm not I'm not sure if I could listen um to those intros for half an hour. Um but I guess I'm a little bit biased because I mean you know what it's like to listen to your own voice, eh? <laughs> um Yeah, so that's that. Thank you again and stay tuned. I mean just follow me on Twitter at Astrid Jeff and um that's it. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Boop, boop, boop. Chapter 1. Deadline. There was only one more left, and he looked stupidly at the three others lying on the ground before swinging his weapon. I ducked underneath, because you can't really duck above, and then I stepped out with my halberd in his gut, and he doubled up, because I suppose it hurts getting stabbed by a halberd point. And that gave me my chance. Chaka! Chapter 2. Stranger. So I was trying to get back to my blog post, but the stranger was too distracting. You know why? Because he was wearing the blanket I gave him to cover himself up on his back, like a cape. He was wearing the blanket like a cape. Anyway, I looked back at my screen, I think I even managed to write a word and... Uh! Chapter 3. Dead Woods.
I managed to get page even in the shower. I quickly made some cookies because I could before returning to my blog post once more, only to discover that I was suffering from writer's block, which wasn't a good feeling at all. I cursed as I do, but then. Chapter 4 The Squares. I was pretty upset with him for not defending himself and getting caught by the blurg's ass threads. When I finally managed to free him, he lifted up his arms, made some movements, and then there was a box, and then he did some more movements, and... Chapter 5 Laughter and Tears So I was just walking without a purpose. I mean, my main purpose was to get away from Whiny, not sure why, but... I needed to be alone, I guess. I realized I'd stopped walking and was staring off into nothing when... <gasps> Chapter 6 Blackie So I was being held up by a massive creature. At least, I think it was massive because it didn't seem to have any issues holding me up. Anyway, I didn't know what creature it was because my eyes were glued closed by my own blood. My head never hurt as much as it did then. That weird voice called out something and then... Chapter 7 Zlurp So I was so done with that creature, that zlurp. That stupid thing had destroyed it all. Even my bag and my cookies. It was all gone. I wasn't going to let him keep me prisoner. It was time to escape. There wasn't much I could do, so I was just going to jump up. There were enough balls to hit anyway. But then... Chapter 8 Unexpected Friendships So there we were, both naked and embarrassed, although Whiny seemed to be more so. His cheeks were actually turning red from shame, <laughs> which was quite satisfactory. Despite that, I did want to look around for something to cover myself, even though I felt awful because of the concussion. But then... Chapter 9. Clichés. So it was just me and his lurp standing face to face. Well, face to belly, I guess, because he was kind of large. I hoped Wani was okay. That had been a pretty pr big throw. Anyway, the dragon had stopped the slurp in his track, standing between us. She was breathing in. I thought that was the end of me. Never thought I'd be killed by a dragon's fire breath. But... <coughs> Chapter 10 Dragon's White Gas So, I'm not really sure what happened. This whole event was, and still is, a bit fuzzy to me, I think. And it's really hard for me to admit. But I think I was really very badly hurt. My brain was broken. My behavior abnormal. I needed rest. Urgently. I vaguely remembered lying down. And then all went black. Chapter 11 The Cave So I came back from having a really long pee and was still marveling at that cave. Such a beautiful place. Really, I could live there if it wasn't for the humidity and lack of sunlight. How amazing is it that there was actually a chamber resembling a bathroom? You have no idea how nice it is to be able to wipe, um, <clears throat> you know, when traveling. The hygienic options aren't always out there. Anyway, I stepped back in the main cave area and... 
Chapter 12. Clothes. Can you believe that man? I'd only just woken up from the week-long slumber, which was basically an artificial coma induced by Blackie. A dragon-induced coma. Would you believe it? Anyways, I'd only just woken up and he wanted to interrogate that slurp straight away? Yeah, that was not going to happen. There was something else I needed to take care of first. Chapter 13. Comfort Food So, we just had a most bizarre conversation, whiny me. Have you ever heard of a food with a certain color being forbidden? It's so odd. Not to mention hairstyles having any sort of meaning. Or, well, I suppose on Earth they could be used as some sort of status symbol or a form of expression, I guess. Huh. Perhaps it's not that weird after all. Either way, I was ready to go to sleep for the night, excited to talk to that stupid slurp in the morning, but I knew cramps were going to make that hard. Blackie helped me with that, though. Chapter 14. Talking to a drunk guy. So, after a surprisingly pleasant sleep, Blackie did something to help me, that's a certainty. It was time to wake up the slurp. I couldn't wait to pick that creature's brain and find out what he knew. I wasn't keen on admitting it, but I was very curious to hear what he meant by calling me princess. At first I thought it was just a slur, a nickname he called every woman. But after what Winey told me the day before about my hairstyle, I'm not too sure. I still can't believe it has anything to do with it, but coincidences sometimes aren't coincidences. Anyway... We let Blackie wake up the slurp partially. Yeah. Chapter 15. Flight. What the slurp had told us touched me to the core. It was impossible. It couldn't be true. Whiny didn't believe it, and I tried really hard not to believe it either. But I knew. I knew some of what he said may be true. It was as if several pieces of my life fell into place. Why had I never questioned, like really questioned, certain things? Trust? Because of trust in my parents? Perhaps the only thing I knew at that point was that we had to leave the cave. And so Whiny told me there was only one way to exit it. Chapter 16. Descending. So, we left the cave in a hurry. I'm still a bit embarrassed that I hadn't noticed the lack of an entrance before. But how could I know? There were all those tunnels. I couldn't know where they led. Either way, flying on the back of a dragon is incredibly surreal. Kitty didn't much care, but I was able to forget all my worries for a while. The view was just too gutsing amazing. I admit, for a little bit, I thought we had found a solution for our coming journey. We could just fly on Blackie and try much quicker. That thought fled after we touched ground again. Blackie dropped on her belly and... Chapter 17. Rocks. So three days after fleeing the cave in a hurry, we were still trying to make our way towards the spiraling spinal spine pines. During those days, I had a lot of time to think about what the slurp had said. Whiny had tried to start a conversation several times, 
but I always deflected. I felt like I needed to process it all by myself first before I could talk to someone else about it. Blackie had left us, but I wasn't worried because I knew what she was up to. Whiny didn't know, but he suspected. Damned man is smarter than he often seems. He turned very insistent to have a talk about what the Zurp had said. I wasn't keen, so... <clears throat> Chapter 18 The Statue so, the statue, the piece of a statue anyway, was huge. It was enormous and I had trouble imagining how gigantic the complete statue would be. It had many surprises for us. For one, it was anatomically correct, holes and all. Yep, you heard that right. For another, the little whiny knew about it was disturbing, very disturbing, as if I hadn't had enough disturbing news and surprises lately. This one bit he told me, on top of what the Zulurp had said, and together with another discovery I made, made the blood drain from my face. I had to be sure, though. So I ran away. Chapter 19 A Tiny Meow so, I don't know what was up with Wani. I couldn't say why we connected so well. It was almost scary, almost more than just lust at first sight. I never let myself wonder back then, but I sometimes do now. Was it more? Could it have been more? I can't say it. What I do know is that he had the capacity to make me talk about things. Deep things. Emotional things. Things from the past which had an influence on me. Things I'd never told anyone, like how Kitty and me found each other, even though he hadn't asked. I was just about to tell him how I became a red knight, when a voice thundered in my head, and before I knew what was happening... No! Chapter 20 Voices so, all of the events almost seemed too much to believe. Thinking back, it's amazing how much had happened in such a short time. Discovering that I might be a princess was probably one of the more shocking things. I didn't think anything could top that, until Blackie flew me away from Whiny. My brain wasn't catching up. I was mad at Blackie for doing what she did, even while still being awestruck for hearing her voice in my head. She found a way to explain what she'd found in the cave and why she flew Kitty and me away in a panic. At the end of it, there was even more mystery. <gasps> Chapter 21 Myths and Legends So Wani had betrayed me. The voices Blackie somehow replayed in my head confirmed it. And I was doing the best I could to not fall apart into a huddling form of a beaten down wretch. There were too many other things to think about, so I focused on those. But once I came to a conclusion, the weight of it threatened to drag me down even further. So I went for a walk in an attempt to find the next best thing to drink in my stories away. A sweet voice came to me. A myth showed itself. Chapter 22 Rum and Rainbows 
So I've had many unreal things happen to me in the other realm, but this may have been the unrealest. That creature with its sweet voice, five ways, split tail, and dragonfly wings followed me after I denied sharing my emotions. An unseen boundary stopped it hard, except the boundary turned into rainbow waves when the creature touched it. It convinced me to get into his trunk. The tree trunk, of course. You dirty mind. Because it claimed it had booze. So it did. <coughs> Chapter 23 The Ritual of Drowning So I returned to Blackie and Kitty and introduced the Gorak to them. They weren't impressed. On the way there, I'd found some mushrooms, which was great because now I had booze and shrooms. Not a combination I'd recommend to everyone, but I knew what I was doing. Sort of. Alright, I didn't. I just wanted to get hammered, okay? The next day, I had a plan. It involved Patat. So I woke him and said he could help. His reaction was a bit unexpected. Chapter 24 Stories and a Slap So I thought I knew how I was going to get all of us to my employers. Honestly, I wasn't completely certain if it would work, but it was all I had, so we had to try it. It took a while to get Patak to do it, and we may have gotten a bit sidetracked with how Gorwak's function and a small bit of Patak's history, but in the end I managed to explain it to him, so... Oh. Chapter 25 The Order of the Red Knight Sir, my little crazy plan worked. I'm still not entirely sure how, but letting Patat slap me guided me in the right direction. We skipped to the room I always enter in my employer's building. At that time, I still didn't know if it was a castle, just a massive building, or merely a collection of separate towers. I left Blackie and Patat upstairs, Blackie was stuck anyway, and walked down to the bottom level. I'd never been through the door in front of me. Surely it would be locked. I turned the knob anyway. Chapter 26 Family and Foe So there we were, sitting at a table with my aunt and uncle, whom I didn't even know existed only a few minutes before. So surreal. Funny thing is, I had no issue believing everything they told me. It sure sounded complicated, and perhaps I almost understood why my parents had never told me about them. Understanding didn't mean I liked it, though. There was an anger rising inside of me, but was temporarily muted by curiosity. Kradek, my aunt, was telling me about my mom when... Chapter 27 Emotional Connection so, I discovered my Red Knight employees on my family, family I didn't even know existed. And you know what they did? Even with Earth at stake and all, they didn't want me to hide in their home until the crown dropped on my silly little head. They didn't want to risk that precious little safe haven. I suppose now, years later, I can sort of understand it, but at that time I was furious for being kicked out after years of being lied to. My anger was building to an absolute point of no return when Blackie reached out to me in my mind and Chapter 28 Tradition and Ritual So there had already been such a massive amount of new information. My brain had trouble keeping up. Staying in anonymity at my aunt's and uncle's wasn't an option anymore. 
Not with Blackie making a scene like that. Rumors would probably travel quick. We had to go hide somewhere, possibly in some forests. But Craddock told me. She told me a lot of things, honestly. Once she gets talking, she doesn't shut up. She told me there weren't any forests around to hide in, and I should go to the city. I didn't want to, until I heard where I actually was. So then the decision was quick. Boop. Chapter 29. Hexago. So that was it. The decision made. No relaxing for me. Straight to the city instead. Parallelo's capital city. Presumably my capital city. If all went well the next twelve days. Next to all the strange customs I had to adjust to. There was also my first sight of the city. It looked a bit strange. Luckily I had a very familiar servant who was able to explain it all. While doing that I realized where I recognized her from. We stopped at a gate. Chapter 30. Skipping is easy. So night time had fallen and it was a perfect moment to bring Blackie and Kitty in the city. I wasn't sure yet how Craddock would do it, but she'd assured me she'd made sure the guards weren't an issue and the only thing I had to do was open the gates. It worked and a little while later we were trying to get Blackie inside of a building. Turned out she was a bit too big for the door. Chapter 31. Dresses are stupid. So, it was wet and smelly, and the only thing Craddock could say was that I'd misaimed my skipping. Yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. Blackie just looked guilty and a little bit unwell, and despite the smell, Kitty just wanted to headbutt me. I realized I'd put something in my pocket earlier and hoped fervently I hadn't lost it. Oh, wait, you don't have the whole picture. I started at the wrong spot. Sorry. So... Blackie was holding on to me and we skipped. I knew something had gone wrong straight away because... <laughs> Chapter 32. A bath and a reputation. So I was back in the room, already forgot about that creepy man from the alleyway as I discovered skipping wouldn't let me materialize inside of things. Luckily, I had Melia draw me a bath, even if she had to wake every other servant in the inn. I was definitely not going to bed smelling as I did, stupidly. I hadn't noticed but that was gone until I was in the bath. So I went back to my room and... Chapter 33. Urgent Release. So, you know when you have to pee really urgently, but you have to keep it in because you can't go just yet? And then it starts hurting from urgency? Well, that was the reason why we had to make a mad dash through the city. Despite the circumstances, I did enjoy the ride. It gave me an opportunity to look at my city and my people. They all looked fantastic. Either way, at our destination... Skipped immediately and... Chapter 34. Caged. So we went back to the inn's room, dropping off Kitty's litter box before going to the already overcrowded square market. I managed to push to the front where I got offered a premium seat. Apparently my noblewoman Ruth worked well. The seat made me feel too much in the open though, so I tried to leave when... Oh. 
Chapter 35 The Skinny Housekeeper So, that Aba woman trusted the innkeeper of the inn she'd brought us to. And I wasn't too sure. For one, the innkeeper was skinny, and I have a prejudice about skinny innkeepers. For another, he was pompous enough to declare he's in a house instead of an inn. Ridiculous. My suspicions proved true after finishing the delicious meal when... Chapter 36 Uncle Yodek so, we went through all the pages from the box my parents left me. It was incredibly disappointing. Nothing about the magic at all. Just a lot of my parents' backstory and why they remained on Earth instead of getting back to Parallelo after my birth. Apparently, they wanted to preserve my innocence for as long as possible. Which is also why they didn't tell me about their other life and my future life. I still think that was a terrible mistake. And they thought it would be good if I had the knowledge from modern Earth. Did I tell you before that they used IVF to get pregnant? That's why they began traveling to Earth a lot. Anyway, this intro is a bit long, but I just thought there was an interesting piece of information. I was supposed to meet with Crydeck in the stockhouse, but she never showed. So I skipped to Blackie to get some confirmation of a suspicion I had, and to give Kitty some Blackie time. Chapter 37 Laws and Rules so, the inheritance system just becomes more complicated the more one knows about it, apparently. Amelia and me were trying very hard to work it out, though. It was difficult and hurt my brain. In the late afternoon, I went to the square market to execute my plan for getting into the castle. It worked brilliantly. So at night, I was sneaking around in there. Frustration almost got the upper hand when... Chapter 38 The End So, bloody balls, that conversation between my uncle and Patat was loaded with information. Budak seemed absolutely unstable. Can't even imagine what he's been through to become like that. It's as if he didn't know which side to be on. Fair to say, I wasn't inclined to ever show myself to him, as he could either embrace me or stab me, or both. When he left, I managed to talk briefly to Patat. When? Chapter 39 The Real Air So, I'm sure you all know how annoying it is to wake up in the morning by your alarm, and you probably also know it's even more awkward when you're not in your own bed. I'm sure none of you know what it is like to wake up in a cell, though. Let me tell you, don't try it. It's awful. I overestimated the softness of the bed's padding. Imagine all of that, and except for your alarm being a nice tune on your mobile phone, it's actually... Chapter 40 Prophecy so, after the law induction and meeting up with Ava, I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't thought about Milia until I returned to our room. She was a wreck for not knowing where I was. She probably thought I'd been captured or something. It took me some time to calm her down before I could tell her of the new and improved master plan. And masterfully foolish it was. And it shall come to pass. The Isho line shall not be broken. When all hope seems lost, and a puppet of betrayers. Chapter 41 Rumors 
So the day after meeting Aba again, telling Melia what had happened and setting things in motion, we had much more work to get to. Melia had a listen into the common room while fetching my breakfast, and what she heard there was a good sign. We went to a dressmaker where Melia nearly straight away shooed me out. I went to do the nearest alleyway, prepared to skip to Blackie, when voices caught my attention. It turned out to be a bunch of men, presumably beggars. One of them I'd met before, see chapter 31. I didn't intrude in their talks so after listening for a bit, I skipped to the statue. Blackie wasn't around, so I waited. Chapter 42 The Colored Void So, I spent the morning practicing my line. I felt great improvement in my skipping abilities, and it gave me hope, although I also felt exhausted. I suppose it takes a lot of energy away. I didn't know what that would mean for the stunt I planned for the final miracle, but I ignored that for now. I was certain things would work out. Performing the first actual active point of the prophecy was nerve-wracking, but we managed. People had been so curious about what the colored void would be, and once they saw it, they were even more surprised. I loved all of the reactions actions until chapter 43 opposition so many arrows flying towards Blackie. I genuinely think my heart may have stopped beating for a while. Blackie was going to die, and it was all my fault, and that was the immediate end for the prophecy. And why didn't she just fly away? Come on, dragon, just fly away. She just stayed perched atop the highest tower of the castle. In those few seconds, I saw our whole plan tumble. I saw Kitty and me flee and to run away from responsibility and hide at the statue. I'd still have to rescue Patat, but the prophecy would be laughed at. It was the end. The arrows closed in on Blackie and chapter 44 the wobbly wine glass so there was an opposition i feel like a fool for not thinking about that possibility of course there would be people who don't agree with the current government because aren't there always even more from what Aba told me these seem to be loyalists to the show line so they were supposed to be on my side Aba had managed to find out a time location and even passphrase for their next meeting so Melia and i went passphrase proved true and we were led into the inn's private dining room, where I, with shaken knees, mind you, announced who I am. <gasps> Chapter 45 A Second Servant so, wine is grandmother? Coincidence? Not a coincidence? I was certain I would hear more of the story without having to beg for it, and yes, she did begin explaining things to me until we got interrupted by the serving woman. That was unusual. They're supposed to be unobtrusive, aren't they? This one had other plans, so things turned more heated quickly. Chapter 46 Caught So, I had been caught, it seemed. Yurak was there in the throne room, but Patat wasn't. My uncle didn't go alone, and before I could skip away, massive hands lifted me upside down. I never thought to see any of those creatures again. Balls! While I hung there, memories of our previous encounter came back to me, things clicking in place. It had spoken about being trained. Perhaps the training took place in the castle. Either way, Yurak had moved Patat, but did, for some reason, allow me to speak for him one last time. When walking through the castle, we passed some people arguing loudly and... Chapter 47 Trust 
So, bloody balls, eh? Whiny was there, surprising both my uncle and me by showing up with a couple of his guards, right when Yodak was about to kick me out. Good timing, Whiny. Ugh. My emotions jumped all over the spectrum. I really don't like how he's able to do that. Foolish man. Anyway, I ended up facing him with his lerp behind me, but then Patat almost revealed to him who Yodak really is, so I somehow ended up crawling through the Zlerp's legs when... <coughs> Chapter 48. No safety. So, all those exclamations of trust from both Wanya and Patat had overwhelmed me massively. After all of the self-doubt which had plagued me, it was a serious relief to get validation from the person who mattered most. The one whom I thought had betrayed me and usurped my kingdom actually fully supported me. Such an amazing feeling. Back in the inn, it seemed things had changed a bit, despite what I had wanted. It escalated, and... Chapter 49 Frank Dammit So I should have felt that way before. I was much too slack in feeling secure and safe. Of course, Yodak would know about Everything which had to do with the family and with Aunt Crydeck and Uncle Steeter. I'm such an idiot. How am I ever going to be a proper queen? Frank, damn it. They really chose the wrong person for the job. At least Yodak's personal skipping journal made up for any discomfort I felt at being disillusioned of safety. I couldn't wait to get into that. But first, we had some chocolate to inspect. We were on our way there, and I was lost in my own mind when... Chapter 50 The One Who Ruined Everything So, can you believe it? Can you fucking believe it? Frank, my damn ex-boyfriend, the one who left me right after my parents' funeral, after a years-long relationship, without any word, just vanished. That... Frank is actually Ferenc, and he lives in Hexaco, is employed by my aunt and uncle, leads the chocolate production, and Mila obviously likes him. As if that wasn't enough, he had much more to tell me, giving me a different emotion to revel in. Chapter 51 Acceptance so, after hearing from Ferenc that his main duty had been to keep my parents and me separate, which he had succeeded in, there were so many ways for me to react, shout, cry, kill, walk off, punch. I'd never expected understanding to be the one to win. Having sort of talked things out, but not really, and I still can't believe how calm I stayed under those circumstances, I got to see how they made chocolates. Chapter 52 Double Sixth day. So, it was the double sixth day from the prophecy. You know what, here is a prophecy again, as a reminder. And it shall come to pass, the Isho line shall not be broken, when all hope seems lost, and a puppet of betrayers seeks the throne, the crown will find the true heir. Do not despair, as these signs shall announce their presence. On the first day of the Corfest, one day too soon, the last legend of the 
truth shall be humiliated for ye all to see. The third day this prophecy shall find the way to ye hearts. On the fourth day of Corfest, a myth will appear in the square sky above, and ye shall all bow in awe for the magnificence. The colored void shall judge ye all from the highest tower. On the double sixth day, six days of Corfest, and six days till coronation, the colored black myth will drop brown gold which cannot be spent. Five days before coronation, the myth shall prevent a fake prophecy. The legend shall appear on the myth. The tenth day of Corfest, two days before the crown finds the queen, she shall appear amongst ye as one of ye carrying a power-poped weapon. The eleventh and final day of coronation festivities, ye shall all remain away from the center of the square, whence a miracle shall reveal. In the morning after the Corfest ends, the day the wooden water crown returns to the rifle air, all shall be right and all shall rejoice. So yeah, not long to go before the day. With chests of chocolate coins stacked all around us, I began to fulfill day six. Chapter 53. Save one, endanger the other. So, there I was, surrounded by mostly empty chests around me, my own tiny secret skipping lair, or whatever you want to call it, with Melia, Miralda and Frank selling chocolates on the square market while proclaiming the chocolate production as the first official royal issue supplier. A stack of chests shouldn't be too suspicious, right? Anyways, from my hiding spot, I had a perfect view on a platform where those Nosbex rapers would gut but tut. I only had to wait a little bit. When? Chapter 54 Falling So yes, I chose to save Patata and put Whiny in danger. That doesn't make me... That doesn't make me a bad person, right? 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 Right. Before I could get out of my hiding spot, something seemed to happen, so I fled to the first place I thought to flee, the spot closest to the square market. Yes, the privy I've appeared in before. It wasn't empty this time, though, so that could have ended poorly, but turned out fine... I think, anyways, because it all went really quickly. When I saw guards take Emilia, Meralda and Frank away, I did the first thing I thought of, but then my haste... Chapter 55 Meant to become us so, one win and one loss. That seems to be the way everything always goes. Although, in this case, it was one win versus three losses. Or perhaps two and a half. I'm not sure if I wanted to count Farrank as a full loss at that point. Anyways, at least Patat was safe. And the others, although captured, weren't in life-threatening danger. As far as I knew, I've had some hours to process the events. And of course, blame myself and do a lot of self-reflection when Blackie and me began talking. She told me something I hadn't asked asked about before. Chapter 56 Not the only one so, of course I had to try to get Melia, Miralda and Frank out of prison, even though I still hoped Whiny would have been able to have some influence. That hope vanished when I saw guards sitting in front of cells. I was pretty certain that's where my people were. Without thinking too much about what I was doing, I skipped into a cell and managed to skip away Melia, although it wasn't without consequences. The day after, I decided to attend a meeting of the Truth Companions and confront the person I suspected to be my uncle. 
Chapter 57 Silly Old Love So, wow, how many more surprise revelations will happen? It's been quite a wild ride so far and it seems it's not over. I was happy my plan had succeeded to expose and capture my uncle while he spied on a truth companion's meetings. Of course, as ever, I didn't think things through and had only focused on a capture, which went quick and smooth, but not on what to do after I caught him. It had also slipped my mind that Ryata and Yodak had been engaged ages ago, but surprisingly, their love was still there. And you are probably not the only issue air still alive. Um, chapter 58 Alpha Mu Ro. So it's been two days since capturing my uncle. He's had his personal talks with Riata, and I feel as if that had softened him up enough for me to get the information I needed. I'd been spending a lot of my time and energy in preventing the apocalypse, but still, there was a lot to do. Exhaustion had already become a part of me when it was time to appear in public. Fortunately, we could use a certain Earth technology. Chapter 59 The Burden so, I can still see the scene vividly in my mind, no matter how often I try to force myself to get rid of it. Seeing your friends, yes. Yes, I started calling them friends even though I'd only known Miralda for a little bit and Frank, well, Frank used to be a friend at one point. Get stabbed in the neck isn't something anyone would forget easily. After that, chaos erupted, so I managed to skip all of us back to the statue. Ava had skipped along as well, and she tried to get to know Blackie. Chapter 60 Stitching Wounds So, once again I'd been reassured of having people to count on. This time, though, it hit home, and I truly felt like the responsibility of the safety of two worlds wasn't only on my shoulders again. I was finally able to let go of some of the burden and let Ava and Melia help. Accepting help may be the hardest thing anyone can ever do. With our three brains together, we came up with a solution for all of my, or I suppose our, problems. So the next day, I skipped us all to Earth. 